How's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real, and we have returned, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. Hey, we are back with our new genre here that's picked by Dan, right, Dan? Yeah. What'd you pick, Dan? Anime movies. Ooh, love it. I do need to brush up on my anime. Me too. I didn't get started watching it until, like, a few years ago, so I haven't seen a whole lot. (laughs) Well, uh, Dan went ahead and picked this first movie, didn't you? I sure did. Yeah, what'd you pick? Akira. Or Akira. They say it both ways, so... However you want to say it. Akira was released in 1988. It was directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. Um, On IMDb, it has an 8.1 out of 10, and that puts it at number 246 in the top uh, 250 movies. So it's just barely in there. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 88% tomato meter with a 90% audience score. So it's got... Pretty high, you know, ratings around the board. And this is an older anime movie, too. It's like the 80s, right? 88, yeah. And um, I'm not super, you know, like aware of all, like what the first anime movies were back then, but I feel like this is pretty early on for anime movies. This was a big one for sure. I know like everybody who likes anime says this is a... A classic. Even people who don't like anime generally think of this as a classic. Yeah, it's kind of got credit for bringing anime as a whole to the West, doesn't it? Yeah, this is the one that most people say was what kickstarted anime in like the United States and stuff. So yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a cool movie. Yeah, yeah. Who wants to give the synopsis on this one real quick? (laughs) (laughs) What's that laugh? I don't even know why you ask. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is it me? (laughs) You know, we're usually pretty consistent. (laughs) All right. Akira or Akira is um, about, it's kind of like a sci-fi cyberpunk-ish aesthetic going on to it. It's in the future. Um, It's a very violent, bloody movie. And it's got like some failed military experiments in it, right? That uh, happen to be able to do inhuman things i don't know how to explain this movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're like psychic or something i think there was like an explosion a long time ago that started a war and now it's in the future years later and the government's trying to like rekindle whatever caused that explosion there's also a biker gang and a rebel force the government's very like oppressive totalitarian you know (laughs) the government just guns them down and yeah and innocent people, too. There's a ton of innocent people who get killed in all the crossfire from the biker gang, the rebel insurgents, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Something I really liked about this movie was the world building I thought was pretty cool. Just the world it puts you in. It's kind of like an anime Blade Runner-esque world, which is pretty neat. Yeah, it, did, it reminded me a lot of Blade Runner, actually. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, the, the design of like the main, um, the science fortress was very much like the big uh, corporate building in Blade Runner. Yeah, and then like all the advertising were like weird holographic projections and stuff. It seemed like there was a lot of 80s live action films that kind of culminated in this one anime movie. Pretty much, yeah. And then it went on to inspire a ton of other... <laughs> movies ever since it released yeah yeah so what did you guys think of akira you know i gotta say plot wise i i knew that there was cyberpunk and people with like telepathy or something and a big explosion but i did not know anything outside of that i knew nothing about it going in i thought it was about some guy in a 
like <laughs> racing on his motorcycle. That's what I thought too. I thought it was, yeah, like motorbike racing. It's not even close to that. It's completely different. Ooh, maybe we should watch Redline next then. I want to watch that. I've heard it's really good. So it's like the cover is just a, um, our main guy. Uh, Kanida has just him walking towards his bike. That's what the cover of this movie is, and that does not sum up what this is at all. Not at all. It gives nothing away, which is good, I think, because you're in for quite the ride when you start watching this. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns in this. A lot of like different plots going on at once that I did not see coming. It was weird. Yeah, I'd, I'm with you guys. I knew nothing about this and I was pretty, you know, surprised where this went quite a bit, actually. <laughs> like, some of it I really dug and then some of it I didn't dig so much, but we can get into that. So to clarify, we all watched the dub, yeah? Yeah. Yes. Yep, I watched the dub. I kind of wish I would have watched it sub, to be honest. And I feel the same. Not that the dub is bad by any means. It's not like the best dub you'll ever listen to. But watching like videos and stuff on it afterwards, apparently they recorded all the dialogue before like they animated anything in the film. So after <laughs> learning that, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have watched it sub now. <laughs> I mean, that explains a lot. I, I kind of felt like a lot more so than usual, the English dub was off from the lip movements of the characters. So that would explain that. You know, it's not, yeah, like you said, it's not the, the worst dub ever. It's not the best dub. It's kind of in the middle. Some of the people do a pretty good job and some of them are not as good, but they're all passable, I think. Yeah, all the main characters are fine. You know, I thought really that Condit of the main guy was the worst, to be honest. That's what kind of drew my attention to it, was I felt like his lines were the most out of sync. So should we just say spoilers? Yeah, I think so. Might as well. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to spoil this movie. So what, what do you guys think about the story? I guess we were all pretty surprised by where it went. I didn't realize it was going to be an X-Men thing. Like, it felt kind of <laughs> X-Men-y a little bit. With these psychic children. Ooh. Yeah, I hadn't drawn that parallel, but good call. It reminded me of, I'm pretty sure there's an X-Files episode that does something like this. Not to this extent. And I know for sure that there's episodes in the TV show Fringe, which is pretty much, you know, like X-Files again, that does this same concept. Well, we know where they got it from now. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that that came from this, you know, because they have episodes that deal with, um, you know, the government takes children and they mess with the children, you know, and they come out with these strange powers. I mean, even Stranger Things does that. Well, it goes to show how influential this film has been, not on just anime, but in live action, TV shows and film, too. I mean, you're still feeling the impact of this movie <laughs> 20, 30 years later. It's weird, so... They were kids back when the first explosion happened, which was years ago, and they're still kids now? Yeah, it's like 30 years later. Is that what happened? <laughs> well, they're not kids, but they didn't grow any. Because, like, the little girl, when she's, like, talking with the general, I don't remember what she said, but they said something there that related to that, and you're like, oh, they're, like, adults trapped in the kids' bodies, it seems like, or something. But they make comments that, like, suggest that they might be children. It feels like they have the mind of children. Yeah. At least some of them. But they've lived a lot longer. <laughs> the the villain of the film, the uh, Kanada's buddy, whatever his name is, Tetsuo, whenever he's uh, busting in the lab and wrecking things up and being angry, she's like, 
big people like you shouldn't have the power, which sounds like she's a child and he's a big kid to her. I kind of took that as maybe like he started too late in the like training process. Kind of like, I guess, in Star Wars, you know, we only take little kids. We don't take teenagers because they can't control it. That's what I assumed from that line, but I guess I don't know for sure. It was a weird way in the dub to phrase it, I guess, maybe. Well, in Tetsuo, he's kind of like a prodigy like Akira was, too. Because they're drugging the kids that suppress their power and stuff. Because the first explosion was caused by Akira losing control, basically. And then that kickstarted World War Three and everything. And so they're trying to keep that from happening with Tetsuo, but they're meddling with things they shouldn't be meddling with. Well, it's weird. So I guess what I got from it was everyone has the potential to have these powers. They just can't use them for some reason. But once they start getting like the drugs and the experiments... Then it like unlocks something, I guess. And that's how Tetsuo ends up learning that he's got these crazy powers, right? That's one thing that's super unclear in this movie is how the power comes to be. Him and Kaneda and their bike gang were fighting with another bike gang. At the same time, the resistance is trying to get one of those kids away from the government. And the kid like blows his bike up. And then it's after he encounters that kid that he starts having his visions from Akira and uh, get developing his psychic powers. So I think encountering that kid was like a catalyst to get get him started. Yeah, I think there's a dropped line actually about um, when he first gets taken in and they're like examining him. He's like, I think that the the contact with the kid has awoken his latent abilities or something like that. I think that's what the scientist says, actually, now that I remember. One thing I kind of wondered was um, a lot of these 80s and 70s anime have a really big influence because the animators and writers, um, you know, were alive and were old enough to remember the uh, invasion and occupation of Japan as well as the, the bombing of Nagasaki. And I wondered if this wasn't, you know, obviously it's not radiation, but like a similar chemical thing that it's been, the area is, for lack of a better word, irradiated with the power and people have absorbed it slowly over time. So it's kind of residual in them. But unless they hit a higher dosage, it won't really do anything to them. That makes sense. And it would keep with the with all the themes of the story, too. So, hold up. Did Tetsuo get his power awoken when he ran into that kid? Or when they took him back to the facility and then they started, did they mess with him? Did they give him stuff? That was super unclear to me is how this actually started. I think since he made contact with the kid... And he was injured. They took him with them because they knew since he had gotten close, he might have gotten like a a brush with this power and it might have woken something up. And I think that's what kind of started everything. Okay. And they were they were scanning him and they found like his mental signature or whatever it was, was a close match to Akira's. So they were like, oh, let's uh, (laughs) we need to keep this guy and then kill him if it gets too strong. Which is interesting because I kind of took it as Akida had taken like a liking to him. Like Akida was still like present. He was obviously in bits and pieces when they finally do find him. But he was like possessing him and like influencing him and getting into his head and using him as a like a vessel. Kind of how the little kids use the girl as a vessel later. That could be like it's open for that interpretation. And for most of the film too. Well, they do a great job not telling you about Akira and making it a big, huge mystery until the almost the very end of the film. You're just sitting there. 
who is Akira? What What is Akira? And all this stuff. And so I thought that he was being possessed or something, like you said, Terry, throughout the whole movie. And I mean, he could have been too, but we can get into that later with the ending discussion. <laughs> right, I think we're dwelling on this power, how he got it too much because there's a lot of other stuff oh yeah (laughs) it's interesting though because it's a huge shock because it just comes out of nowhere and switches into this sci-fi psychic thing i'll say once tetsuo unlocks his power that's really when the movie for me kicks in it's kind of slow before that i think it's kind of drags i'm like okay there's some biker gang stuff it's it's interesting, but it's not really that exciting, I guess. And then once he's like laying in his hospital bed and all these toys start attacking him and then he just explodes, that was like when the movie finally is like, okay, now I get where we're headed. This is this all makes sense now. This is where the movie wants us to be. That's what I started liking it. There was a part where I was just kind of, you know, plateau on the movie, like it's okay. And then it started going up for me and then it went downhill for me. Oh. <laughs> so... Yeah, that point you're talking about where he wakes up and the kids come in, that's definitely where the movie starts going up. Which which is weird. Why are they attacking him? Is it because they think he's going to be like Akita and they want to just kill him before he can realize his power? Or are they just messing with him? I'm pretty sure that's why. I feel like they are the reason or part of the reason why he went so, you know, crazy is because of those kids messing with him right at the start. If you look at Tetsuo's character, he's like had people messing with him, telling him what to do for his whole life, pretty much is what they were saying. And then once he gets this power, he kind of just goes hot wild. And so I think that was like one of the final straws was this creepy kids trying to, you know, screw around with him too. And he was like, no, nobody's screwing with me anymore. That would definitely raise a lot of questions about the uh, the Esper's intentions as far as the film and its ending goes. They must be trying to kill him because, yeah, they obviously wouldn't want him to develop further. Yeah, and blow up Japan again. The little girl even called it. She's like, you can't let him go or else, you know, he's gonna... What? Is, I forget exactly what she said to the general. Right. I guess I, I feel like surely that they must have known that by messing with him, they would escalate his powers even further, I guess is why I... I Wonder what that implies about what their end game was. Well, I think they were trying to get him because they're the only ones who could probably stop him at this point, too. So they're like, well, we got to do this now before he can get stronger anyway. So, I mean, it's like kind of a lose-lose. Like, do it now, he's going to get stronger. Do it later, and it's too late, and we can't beat him now at all. That's true. There's a lot of ambiguity with their clairvoyance as well. Like, if they're like Doctor Strange and they can just simulate future after future, or if it's all kind of just garbled and iffy. The little girl had that premonition that Akira would get woken up and that they'd blow up Japan again. So I bet that was why they were trying to kill him because they're like, ah, Tetsuo's basically another Akira and he's going to cause all this stuff to happen again. Yeah. And I think she said something about uh, the future isn't always just written in stone. There's ways to change it. So maybe that's just a drop line to tell us that they were trying to change it. I don't know, but it's it's very ambiguous. So I think that you guys all like this movie quite a bit. I'm just throwing the feeler out there. I know I did. I feel like I'm going to be the only one on the, you know, kind of less side of that. Well, where, where's the point where you like drop down? What's the point that kind of like lost you a little bit? I... Love this movie, you know, from where it started getting that uphill for me, where the kids start messing with him, 
Tetsuo's finding out his power. He's finding out how strong he is. You know, there's this dynamic with the general, you know, where there's the whole politics stuff going on too in the background. But when they get to the facility and they find out Akira is just, you know, like organs that are in jars. And then Tetsuo just kind of goes ape and blows up everything. I think he actually blew up everything before that. It kind of fell into the thing where it became too much for me at that point where, okay, we get it. He's strong. He's blowing up the whole city, whatever. You know, it's got into a man of steel thing where they were just overdoing the destruction. And then it gets freaking weird when they go to the football field and he starts becoming the meat monster like pizza the hut you know and <laughs> and then he gets sucked into this like big white circle thing and then nothing is explained it's just like akira and then credits grow you know hey, don't get me wrong i did not dislike this movie i just think that they spent way too much time in the first half of this movie when they should have been spending more time in the latter half because There's a lot of weird stuff that happens in there that there's just nothing to go on. There's not enough given to you to, like, come up with a good speculation. Yeah, the ending kind of gave me a 2001 Space Odyssey vibe a little bit. Yeah, I was getting Interstellar from that in 2001. Let me back up a little bit here, Mike, because I I disagree with you on almost every point so far (laughs) on this, so... I'll just I'll just get it out right here. I loved pretty much everything about this movie. I bought the Blu-ray and the first three editions of the manga right after I finished watching it. But, He's giving um, it away. He bought it like three times. So, <laughs> I'll just get getting it out there so you know where I'm coming from on this. But um, I didn't have any problems with the start of this movie. Actually, I thought it did a great job of setting up the actual world that the characters all live in. It's this grimy, nasty, cyberpunk world where the government controls everything and people are just gunned down in the streets. Heck, even the the kids are out there killing each other. That's how bad it is. And the politicians do nothing but scheme to get on top and make as much money as they can. And all the time, you've got this general dude who's trying to hold everything together, even though he hates literally everything about the city. He's just doing it because it's the right thing to do, essentially. And he doesn't want to see the people get destroyed like what happened before. It covers that, and like to me, there's two halves of the movie. There's that half where it's going through all those themes and builds up to when Tetsuo finally, like, I guess, snaps when he realizes that he's got the power to take control of his future and not be told what to do and bossed around anymore. And then for me, that's the second half of the movie is everything that happens after that. I liked all of that, and kind of touching on the destruction part at the end, there's a theme going through the whole movie about like human evolution and stuff like that. The whole point of all the destruction is the show that Tetsuo and Akira, basically they become gods in this film. They showcase and make a point 
of showing all that destruction just to show how insignificant everybody is compared to these people and show just how dangerous and powerful they are. To me, it even hits home here in this movie more because it's a metaphor for what the atomic bombs did when they dropped them on Japan, too, at the same time. So they've got the Japanese culture built into it. So for me, I thought that that part was great, and they did a great job actually showcasing what's going on and why it's a big deal. That's a good point about the atomic bomb. I had not thought of that. I had not come across that at all. But I would counter that by saying take out some of that destruction and focus some more on actually like the ending and climax of this movie, giving you more clues to figure out what the heck is going on because there's none of that, you know, at the end of this. I think the end is he's unleashing like all of his power and it's like it's just a psychic wave of destruction. So like if you get caught in it, you're seeing the memories of the person unleashing the power. Which was cool, but you know, you take 2001 A Space Odyssey, first time you watch it, you know, that ending just hits you and you're like, what did I watch? And then you watch it again, you think about it, and you can be like, okay, I know where this was going. So the ending becomes more, you know, comprehensible. Which it may be the same with Akira if I watch it again. I'll give it that. But where I was at when I watched the end of this, I was like, Pizza the Hut just like came out on the stadium and then got sucked into a ball of light, which happened to show Tetsuo's memories. And I'm like, seriously, you know, Spend a little less time blowing crap up and give me some more stuff to go on. You know, give me some more themes. I mean, I think I think there was two really important things in both Pizza the Hut and the Ball of Light that happened. What was important with Pizza the Hut? So Pizza the Hut is like the he he um he loses that arm right, and then he starts trying to rebuild it. And essentially, what he does is make himself into one giant cancer, and he's sucking the like organic materials out of the stadium, out of his friends, and he's just reproducing over and over infinitely. There's a dropped line earlier about how this energy works that everybody has. And it's kind of like Akira was as if like an amoeba had evolved to the intelligence of a human, but it was still like just absorbing everything in its path. And that's kind of what Tetsuo is doing at the end there. It's just absorbing everything that he is in his path. And that's when he loses control too, is he just starts becoming this gigantic blob of everything around him. You know, I can see that. That's a good point. That's another theme of the movie is losing control. It happens the... Pretty much every single character in the film, they lose control of their future and like everything that's going on. The general lays it out so early on and it cracks me up. Yeah. Hedonistic <laughs> fools <laughs> because they're just indulging in everything. <laughs> yeah, that was good. But Akira lost control and that started World War Three when he blew up the city, essentially, right? Yeah. And that's what sparked this whole the whole movie or whatever. And then Tetsuo loses control at the end of the movie too and starts growing into the nasty <laughs> organ monster. Pizza the Hut. But, okay, I'll say one more thing. Like, Akira shows up there at the end as like a vision? Or is he like manifested from Tetsuo and Tetsuo's psychic power or the kid's psychic power? And then Akira joins with Pizza the Hut, and then they go to Ball of Light. So here's what I think happened, Mike, and this might clear things up for you if you agree with me. So the kids, they tried to stop them, right? The three um, kids, they took control of 
Kay, was that her name? Yeah. And tried to stop them with her, and that didn't work. And then they tried to fight them directly, and that didn't work either. And so their last resort, they're like, all right, we're going to combine all of our power, and we're going to resurrect Akira from the organs or whatnot. Because we know throughout the movie that he's still alive, even though he's just like brain nodes and just (laughs) random organs and jars. He's so powerful and transcended everybody that he's still alive and influencing people. So they use their abilities to resurrect him and bring him back. And then Akira... Uh, basically does his explosion again, but when he does that, he takes um, Tetsuo and those three kids away with them. And then the very end is them creating like their own galaxy or their own universe or something, because the ending is very similar to 2001 with the whole evolution thing. But in that one, they like he evolves into a god essentially, and this one they. They do the same thing, but turn into like their own universe because the scientist earlier on in the film has a drop line about that too, right? When all the crap's getting ready to go down. So that's what I think happened. That's the Big Bang. Yeah, exa- that. I think that's what he said. Yeah. So that that's what I think happened. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much with you, Dan. Yeah, they become gods of their own universe. But uh, yeah, so yeah, previously Akira is tied to this universe still in like an ethereal form because his organs still exist here. But after the newest explosion, they yeah make a new Big Bang in their own universe in which they're kind of like gods over, I guess. And it ties in with religion a lot too, which I know is something they left out of this film just because they couldn't fit everything into it, so... I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, I pretty much agree, but except for the whole new universe thing, I didn't pick up on that necessarily. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, TV. <laughs> <laughs> I was I thought it was cool, but what I I mean, I think like they got evaporated, they like, maybe they became one with Akira or something. It could be, but he says I am Tetsuo at the end of the film. Well, Akira and Tetsuo are one now. Akira has finally become Tetsuo. That's kind of how I took it. Ah, so he like possesses him and stuff. Yeah, because the vibe I got from this whole movie is that Tetsuo was slowly changing into Akira. And at the end, yeah, Akira's like, I am Tetsuo now. Like, this is it. He's finally resurrected or whatever. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but you're referring to the biblical line, I am I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Which is, which is what I thought Tetsuo was kind of referring to as well, or I guess the now amorphous ethereal being that is the Espers, Akira, and Tetsuo. Yeah, I figured they all just merged together. Like before, like when um, the blob, what, what are we calling Pizza the Hut is just absorbing everything. And then so when the explosion happens, he's still like just crunching everything down into him. That's kind of what I took it as a little bit. And the, the Espers went down there and saved Kanida, but they're like, you know what? We're going to join in there too, just because I guess we want to learn from Akira and like become one with him and help him, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and they wanted to save Kanida because they're like, <laughs> he doesn't deserve this. He did everything he could to stop it. So we'll sacrifice our lives to save his. And then it gets rid of all the problems at once, essentially, too. So I could see it happening that way, too, Terry, which is it's why these movies are fun to watch and discuss is because it could be interpreted so many different ways. There's so many things to unpack. It makes it really interesting. Yeah. I didn't pick up on this universe stuff 
at all. I love sci-fi movies with very cryptic endings to them, but I feel like this one didn't do it as well as some of the other sci-fi movies like, you know, Interstellar, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I feel like it was a more personable story that they were trying to tell, and I don't think it needed to go so crazy cryptic at the end there. I don't think it needed to be, hey, we're gods of another galaxy, we're creating another Big Bang. I think for me personally, I would have liked it better if Tetsuo gets so strong that he doesn't realize he's even killing himself, which basically, you know, happens at the end. I liked it. You know, the destruction was a little over the top too much for me, but I really liked it when he was like turning into some cybernetic dude, you know, and he sat on his throne and he put his arm down and the cyber nanobot trail things, you know, from Mass Effect started going around and he's like, quote quote girlfriend was like what's wrong with you he's like nothing's wrong with me i'm tetsuo i'm about to be pizza the hut you know yeah (laughs) to say that i love that we're calling him pizza the hut yeah that's pretty good that was good mike that was good that's what it looked like you know it just went too you know like cryptic and i wasn't picking up on that stuff at all at the end and i would have think i would have enjoyed it more if it was more personable to just Tetsuo's character because I'm gonna bring this up I don't know how you guys are gonna feel about it too I feel like Kanida's character I like that he's there but he's essentially useless like there's no reason for him to be there I think you're not wrong I think it's like if we saw the Superman story through the eyes of like his high school best friend like I enjoy that Kanida's there I like it but he's essentially useless when you look at the grand scheme of things. I wonder how this movie would have been from Tetsuo's perspective. Yeah, it does take a weird shift, because I was like, okay, Kanida's our main guy, and then suddenly Tetsuo slowly becoming this superpowered being, and I'm like, wait, is Tetsuo actually the main character here? It was kind of a weird shift. That's what I thought. I think they're both main characters. They're very important to each other as far as characters go. But are they? Yeah, because well, you see at the very end, Connie does the first person to like befriend Tetsuo and everything. And then as they get older, Connie kind of just goes into the overlord route with them. They're still friends, but he's like bossing them around and everything because he's the leader of the biker gang. And so he kind of sets off Tetsuo's... Well, he doesn't set it off, but he's one of the reasons why Tetsuo turns into the bad guy at the end is because he's finally got the power to do everything he wants to do. So they're like, they work very well as a pair. And if you're going to the end of the film, too, when they're fighting, yeah, Kanida doesn't stop him. There's no way he can, but he keeps him distracted enough because Tetsuo really wants to show Kanida that he's the one in charge, right? Because he's always trying to get his bike. And that's kind of like the symbolism of the power struggle. As Tetsuo's like, ah, I've got the power now. And that's why he wants to get his bike. I do appreciate that Kanida's there because his bike is cool. I like his attitude during the whole thing. But I just kept, you know, thinking while I'm watching this and Tetsuo goes pizza the hut and goes crazy, you know. It's like, you know, Kanida really doesn't have much to do here besides just prove a point home about Tetsuo's character. And I don't know if that's just a... 
justification enough for his character in this movie. I'm sure in the manga it's different, but that kept coming back to me. I'm like, why is Kanida even here? Like, why are you even doing this? Because you don't even get to see their camaraderie thing until they go into the big ball of light and you go through Tetsuo's memories and you get to see, hey, Kanida did this in the past. Like, it felt like it may have made more sense reading the manga. But if the manga is that big and they're condensing it down to the two hour and four minute movie, I think they did a fantastic job, actually. So, yeah, it definitely loses something getting condensed down. But I liked Kanida quite a bit, especially at the end, because he's like, my friend's still in trouble because you can see Tetsuo's freaking out and everything. And Kanida's still trying to save him if he can do anything, right? And that's kind of why he's. He's the good hero of the film there because he still is trying to save his friend, even though he literally can do nothing at the end there. Yeah, I feel it there a little bit too, Mike. Like, I did feel like a little bit of a, it felt a little uh, like jarring almost, I guess. It was kind of a subtle transition, but once I noticed, it was like, oh, Connie just kind of taking the back seat here all of a sudden. It kind of threw me off for a bit, but it didn't bug me that much. I did like the relationship of like the kind of the bossy friend and the like the friend who gets bossed around getting jealous and mad about it. And it's building up and building up over time. And I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I will say something I did love about this movie was when Tetsuo would like do something real bad, the music of the choir and the background was so unnerving yeah it was like oh and and i was like oh my you know like i was getting goosebumps you know like laying on the floor (laughs) the music was so good yes it was i thought it was okay it grew on me i didn't like it at first really you didn't like it oh i was gonna say i think this is one of the best soundtracks i've heard in a while i think it takes the back seat too much yeah it's kind of quiet sometimes there's like notes going on in the background but i can barely hear them that's i mean the, yeah the synthwave stuff was quiet but like yeah whenever like tetsuo would do something and then there would be that choir the dude the low dude coming in being like Doh! every time something bad happened i don't know i liked that a lot that was awesome it's interesting because there's some movie we were discussing i think it was annihilation it does the the same thing this movie does. And in that one, I wanted more of the soundtrack because of how good it was. But this one, I think it was perfectly done. And I think the reason I didn't want more of it was, yeah, because when it does kick in, it really punctuates the scene and the characters and what's happening. You feel like the actual people witnessing Tetsuo doing all of his crazy psychic abilities and it freaks you out but i think the reason why i like it how sparse it is in this one is because it's not really it's not a conventional soundtrack kind of like it is in um annihilation this one's a lot of just drum beats and people chanting and choir and weird synth stuff going on it's not a traditional arrangement of like a a song it's just a bunch of all these elements put together so listening to it on its own is not something you're gonna do with this one does that make sense yeah yeah i can kind of see what you're saying but on the note of sound can we just talk about how epic the brief space scene is oh when he flies out into space that was awesome like the sound design made that scene i think it was really good 
That space laser was so cool. Oh, man. When they just blast him the first time, that was awesome. <laughs> Fries his arm. Yeah. So I was like, what are they going to do? And then all of a sudden, yeah, this light just comes down from the sky. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's not over yet, I guess. Their last resort. Yeah. <laughs> they had so many safeguards in place, but none of them worked. Was anybody got anything? They want to hit on, you know? You know, I think this is one of those that we could just hit on for hours upon hours. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think so, too. So, I guess, are we want to move on to overall presentations, then? I think we should, you know, because, like we said, we could keep going and going and going. There's so much to unpack. We could unpack it for days. So, we've got a scale, how we rate things. It goes from burn it, pass, watch it. Buy it. And then at the end, after we've all said what we rate it, we kind of average it out if possible. Sometimes we are all different, and so it makes it kind of hard, but we'll do our best. This is true. I like how it seems like I bring up something in this movie, and then you guys are all like, but look at this other side of it, Mike, that I haven't, you know, even considered. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily change my mind that much about it because my first initial viewing was kind of different than all of your guys's, I guess, how I feel like it's going to go. I mean, I don't want to say what you guys are picking right yeah, now, but I'm guessing you're all leaning towards one side. And this was a good movie. I did enjoy it a lot. It's very influential, but I feel like it does have some problems in the fact that it's, you know, a 2,000-page manga that's getting condensed down into two hours, but they did a fantastic job of doing that still. I'm going to give it a watch it. Didn't make it to buy it for me because of that stuff I kind of brought up earlier. I wish they would have either made the ending more personable, focused less on the beginning, which I did love the world building in the beginning, but... Then the climax kind of just hits you out of left field, and there's not enough there to go on, I feel like. So I'm going to give it a watch it. You know, I agree with Mad Mike. I think uh, any time that we come in and we've, we've got different opinions and different feelings about a movie, it's done its job well, especially if we, uh, you know, are pretty staunch in our opinion and on our belief on it. So agree there for sure. Next time I watch this, I'm definitely going to watch it in the sub. I think my biggest issue with it was this dub. I just, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of the dub, although I've heard it's pretty accurate to the subbed lines. I don't know. Something about it. Maybe it was the mouth motion just kind of irked me. But I, I well, that was my, yeah, my biggest complaint with it. Everything else was amazing. The 80s and 70s are my favorite anime era. And this is one of the, if not the most uh, highly produced anime films of all time. So it's uh, <laughs> kind of that perfect storm for me, as well as cyberpunk and sci-fi. And um, so I didn't want to show my hand too early, but uh, I, like Dan, <laughs> went out and bought a steel book of it immediately after finishing oh, it. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a buy it from me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think this movie's pretty good. I do think there's some pacing issues at the beginning. It's kind of like stuff that's it's interesting, but I'm like, okay, when's the real movie going to start? It's kind of what it felt like. But once it starts, it's really, really good. Once the psychic stuff starts actually happening, once Tetsuo gets his powers, that's when it's awesome. Uh, I love the animation style. We didn't really talk about it, but yeah, like the 70s, 80s, that style, it's just, it's it's so cool. It, it works so well. I wasn't huge into the music. Some parts were cool, but I did like the characters and I liked the themes. I thought they were interesting. I'm going to give it a watch it as well. Um, it's almost a buy it for me, but I do think the pacing kind of like it was so slow at the beginning for me. It might grow on me in the future after more watches, though. Yeah, I kind of gave away my stance on it already to <laughs> make a point. But um, I 
loved this movie from the start to the end. I didn't know what I was getting into it going into it, which was nice. It completely took me by surprise in a good way. And just the see it all develop was really cool. Yeah, the story was really interesting, really well done, I thought. The world building was awesome. I loved the soundtrack on this. It's really unusual, but it fits so well with everything going on. It gave me uh, 2001 Space Odyssey vibes, which is a good thing because that's like in my top five favorite movies. Like Terry said, the animation was excellent. I also agree with Fox and Terry that this is my favorite style of animation out of all the movies I've seen so far. I haven't seen all of the classics yet, but I definitely... Out of the ones I have seen, prefer the older hand-drawn stuff over the newer CG. I'd say even this is probably better than anything I've seen up until uh, Your Name, because that movie's just gorgeous, and I don't know how the heck they pulled that one off. But yeah, I'd say up until then, this one's probably the best animated one I've seen. The only nitpick that I could think of is, this is what Mike was talking about and Terry some too, was it does feel like a condensed story. And when you know all the background info on it, you can definitely tell, yeah, they were trying to get all the main themes basically across and didn't have enough time to fully flesh everything out. But for me, they got enough of the themes and story through that I was engaged the whole time and loved every minute of it. So uh, definitely a buy it from me. Cool. So that uh, is, you know, two watch it's two buy it's. <laughs> it's that situation you predicted, Terry. <laughs> Somewhere yeah. in between a watch it and a buy it, which is still pretty good. It's definitely something you should check out. Yeah. If you like movies like us, Go just go watch it. I mean, it's <laughs> it is a classic. I will say that it's a classic for sure. Like I can see why it's a classic and why it's had so much influence all these years. Yeah. Hmm. So do we have a pick for next week? So I'm thinking maybe. Uh, you know, Dan brought it up earlier. Uh, Redline maybe sounds like a good one to me. Ah, I don't even know what that is. I think they race cars or bikes or something. Ooh, is it like Speed Racer? Maybe. I think it's supposed to be like a gory Speed Racer. I think it's kind of violent, isn't it? Or am I thinking of something else? I don't know. It's not rated on IMDb, so... We'll find out, I guess. If anybody's got any suggestions or anything, they can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com, or you can also hit us up on social media. we got a Facebook page, a Twitter page. Those are both Run The Real. Sometimes we have polls going on. Yeah, so if you got any questions, suggestions, uh, hit us up. We want to know them. We want to know what you think about Akira and all the movies we talk about, too. We love hearing other opinions. Give us your must-see anime movies, because Dan has not seen a lot, and he wants to watch more. <laughs> we need to get more cultured around here. Yes. Tell Mike what you thought about Pizza the Hut. Yeah. <laughs> we love you guys listening to us. We love our yeah. listeners. Yes. So thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real, signing off. Mm-hmm.